But go with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. We're going to start with verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Now this scripture is talking about aforetime. So what is it talking about? Specifically it's talking about the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the poetic books, the books of wisdom. It says these things were written for our learning and that through them, that through the patience and comfort that comes from the scriptures, we might have hope. So the patience and the comfort of the scriptures is supposed to produce hope in our life. And then notice what it calls God. He calls him, it calls him the God of patience and consolation. So this word patience, we know it's perseverance. It's cheerful endurance, not just endurance, oh, I made it. No, it's enduring with a smile. It's enduring with joy. It is perseverance. It is pressing. But this word consolation is the same word for comfort. When we look at it in the Greek, it's the same Greek word for comfort and consolation. Now, this word consolation or comfort means solace, which is comfort or consolation in a time of distress or sadness. It means solace, which is comfort or consolation in a time of distress or sadness. It also means that which affords consolation or refreshment. This word consolation and comfort also means that which affords consolation or refreshment. So it's that which gives refreshment. So let's look at it here. Through the scriptures, we receive perseverance and comforting refreshment that produces hope within us. Through the scriptures, we receive perseverance and comforting refreshment that produces hope within us. One of the things the Lord's been sharing with us over the last few weeks, you know, as we went our 21 days of prayer and fasting going beyond, that we're already in and we're walking into greater days of renewal, refreshment, and rest. We're walking into greater days of renewal, refreshing, and rest. That's what God has for you. He has rest on his mind for you. We said victory is nice and this has been a year of victory, a year of unprecedented victory and there's some battles you still need to wage and there's some victory you still need to receive. And we say receive because victory is a gift. That's what the scripture tells us. But God gives that victory on the battlefields of life as you fight the good fight of faith, as you engage, as you step up to the plate and do what God's called you to do. But the thing is victory is great, but the rest after the victory is better. Victory is wonderful, but the rest is better. And so some of you need to press. Some of you need to engage. Some of you need to do whatever the Holy Ghost has been telling you to do. He's been prompting your heart to do some things. You've been putting it off or you've been nervous or you've been saying, I just can't do it. No, you need to do what God's been telling you to do so that you can enter into the rest. Even it says in the book of Hebrews, let us labor to enter into the rest. So there's some work to do so that you can enter into the rest God has for you. So through the scriptures, we receive perseverance and we need that and comforting refreshment that produces hope within us. Now, one of the things we know from 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That phrase inspiration of God in the Greek is literally God breathe. And it says, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
It's God breathed. And so this scripture that is given to us so that we through the scriptures might have perseverance, might have cheerful endurance and might be refreshed. This refreshing in the scriptures comes from the breath of God. The refreshing in the scriptures comes from the breath of God because the word inspiration means God breathed. And so let's look at some Old Testament examples so that we can receive some refreshing, so that we can develop perseverance and endurance. Anybody need some refreshing today? Anybody want to go through these scriptures and receive the refreshing God has for you? Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37 is a familiar passage to a number of us. We've read this scripture before. A lot of things we see in this chapter have been fulfilled within some of our lifetimes. It was began to be fulfilled before my lifetime, but some of you watching, Ezekiel 37 began to be fulfilled in your lifetime. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse one. All the scriptures are given by God. They're inspired by God. They're God-breathed. And when you read through the word, you hear they're known to were preached and hear they're known to were taught. There's refreshing available to you. And how much more refreshing and refreshment is available to you when God's been emphasizing to us for a month or maybe a month and a half now that this is what he wants us to walk in. Ezekiel chapter 37. Notice what the prophet says. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out under the spirit of the Lord and set me down the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know, that's a safe answer. Uh, I don't know what to say. Well, God, you know everything. So God, you know, it's a safe answer. But notice what God says. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and will cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we are cut off for our parts. I want you to notice this last phrase. Our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off for our parts. See, you may relate to this passage because you may feel like the dry bones. You may feel like you've been through too much. You've seen too much. You've experienced too much. You've lost too much. It's hurt too bad. You, you're functioning, but on the inside, you know, on the outside, you're standing up. On the inside, you're sitting down. You're curled up on a couch, hiding under a blanket because it's just been too much. On the inside, you feel dried up. 
On the inside, you feel worn out. On the inside, it's like, I just can't take it anymore. You too may feel like hope is lost. That you have no reason to hope anymore. But I want to let you know, the winds of the Spirit of God are blowing in your home right now. They're moving through your house right now. They're moving through your life right now. This is what I've been told to stream to you right now. The winds of the Spirit of God are blowing through your house, are blowing through your life, just like they did in Ezekiel 37 in this vision and call those bones to come alive and become a great army. The wind of God will refresh you and restore your hope. That's what the Spirit of God is endeavoring to do among you today, to restore your hope. And he's going to do this through this message. He's going to do it through the scriptures because the scriptures are God-breathed and the wind of God is blowing into your home right now. The winds of the Spirit are blowing to stir up your hope and produce hope within you. Go ahead, put this in the chat and say it out loud. Say, the winds of the Spirit are blowing through my home. Say, the winds of the Spirit are blowing in my home. Or you can say this way. Say, the wind of the Spirit is blowing through my home. Say, the wind of the Spirit is blowing through my home. Someone said, well, I'm not at home. We'll say this way. Say, the wind of the Spirit is blowing through my life. Go ahead, put that in the chat and say that loud. Say, the wind of the Spirit is blowing through my life. You know, it says in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12 in the NIV, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. When we think about ourselves as believers, you know, faith Christians saying we call ourselves faith people. We even say we are faith and we are faith people and we should be. But we should also be people of hope, of all people on the planet. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should be people of hope. Or as it says in Zechariah, we should be prisoners of hope. So trapped in hope, we can't get out. That, you know, for us to leave hope is foreign. Why? We're prisoners of hope. We are stuck in hope. So, well, what does hope define? Hope is positive expectation. So as believers, we should be the most positive people on the planet because we're always expecting something good. You know, one of the statements we make at every in every broadcast and every experience, something good is going to happen to you today. Yes, it's a statement of faith, but it's also a statement of hope. It's a statement of expectation. And we follow up saying, expect miracles. Why? We're building and stirring hope. You should be so overflowing and filled with hope and living in such hope produced by the Spirit of God and the Word of God that you are a prisoner of hope. So let the scriptures and this message stir your hope today as the winds of the Spirit blow through your house and blow through your life. We have a great reason to be people of hope. Simple, we belong to Jesus. Why shouldn't we be hopeful? Go with me to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, 
Let this message and the scriptures stir your hope today as the winds of the spirit blow through your life and through your house. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll look at verse 12 and 13. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So before you were saved, you were without God and you were without hope. But now that you're saved, now that you're united to Christ Jesus, you are not without God and you are not without hope. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. You are not without hope. Go ahead, put this in the chat. Say, I am not without hope. Come on, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, I am not without hope. Some of you are struggling to say that right, right now, but I need you to say that by faith. Say, I am not without hope. Come on, the Spirit of God is dealing with you. He's moving through your soul right now. So say it. Say, I am not without hope. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. It says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you are born again, you are born again into a living hope. So you are now with hope because you've been born again and you've been born again into hope. So you need to be a prisoner of hope. It's like we sing that song, Oh Holy Night, the thrill of hope. You need to find that thrill of hope again. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 11. The wind of the spirit is blowing through your life right now. It's blowing through your home right now. It's stirring you up on the inside. It is stirring your hope on the inside. Romans chapter 15, verse 11. The new King James says it this way. And again, praise the Lord. All you Gentiles, laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice here that this prophecy about Jesus that we see quoted in the Gospel of Matthew is that we put our hope in Jesus. Another translation said that the foundation of our hope is Jesus. We have a reason to hope because of how we've been born again because we're united to Christ and because Jesus is the foundation of our hope. And God wants you to overflow with hope. That's what the word abound means. Jesus is the foundation of our hope. Our hope is based on him. Your hope in this life will be shaky if it's based on the world and the circumstance and the situation in the world. If your hope is based on governments and stock markets and news reports, and what the family says, what a friend says, what your neighbor says, what everybody else says. If your hope is based on all of those circumstances and situations and all that word of mouth, your hope will be shaky. You'll have hope one moment and you'll be shaking the next. But if your hope is based on Jesus, your hope will stand strong. And I want to help you build hope that stands strong. 
Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. If you build your hope on Jesus, you can overflow in hope. Think about it. What do we look like in these times, challenging times that we're in, for a group of people just to overflow with hope? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Go with me now to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. What I'm doing, I'm reading scriptures about hope. Not even all the scriptures. There's so many scriptures about hope in the New Testament alone. Because God wants you to have hope. He wants you to abound and overflow in hope. He wants you to build your hope on Jesus. He wants you to be a person of hope. A person filled with hope. Notice what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's important. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, some of you have been wondering, it's like, why did he call the series Advent when all he's been talking about hope? Here's why. The word appearing is one of the words to describe the arrival, the coming, or the advent of Jesus. The word appearing, we'll look at other words for it, but right now the word appearing is one of the words to describe the arrival, the coming, and the advent of Jesus. That's why we're calling this series Advent. The word appearing is one of the words to describe the arrival, the coming, and the advent of Jesus. And we'll look more at the definition of advent and what it implies in future messages because you won't want to miss next Sunday and what we're building to. The word appearing is one of the words to describe the arrival, the coming, and the advent of Jesus. And referring to the first advent of Jesus or the first coming, the first arrival of Jesus. In Acts chapter 26, Paul described it as the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. And so he talked about the first advent, the first coming, what we're celebrating now at Christmas time when Jesus was born into this world and how he grew up and how he had a wonderful ministry and shared wonderful things and how he paid the price through his suffering and his death and how God raised him from the dead, the first advent of Christ. Paul referred to it as hope. It was hope fulfilled. It was something that they've been waiting on for millennia. They had been looking for the Messiah, as we'll see in a little bit. It was hope and hope fulfilled. And here in Titus, Paul refers to the second advent as the blessed hope. The first advent, he referred to as hope. And now he calls the second advent the blessed hope. You see, the advents of Jesus, the glorious bookends of this age we live in, the beginning with the first advent and ending with the second advent, the advents of Jesus, the glorious bookends of this age, are filled with hope. The advents of Jesus, the glorious bookends of this age, are filled with hope. I'm going to say it again. The advents of Jesus, the glorious bookends of this age, are filled with hope. It's like, why are you emphasizing that? 
because so many times we remember hope when we remember the Christmas story. But when we think about the end, when we think about the return of Jesus and we think about the drama of the end times, we choose, sometimes we're not hopeful people, we're scared people. We focus more on the bad things that happen. We focus more on the Antichrist. We focus more on the challenges. We focus more on the drama and the tribulation, all those things. Yes, those things are in the scriptures and yes, you can study it out. But that shouldn't be our focus. Throughout all these things, our focus should be Jesus. And if our focus is Jesus, we can still be hopeful even during the time of the end. Because the first advent, just like the second advent, is filled with hope. We who are alive right now, who are approaching the second advent, should be people of increasing hope as we see the day approaching. As we get closer to the return of Jesus, we should be overflowing with more hope. Why are we getting closer to another advent filled with hope? Why should we be people without hope? We're united to Jesus. We've been born again. Jesus is the foundation of our hopes in this life. So why should we be without hope? No, as we see the return of Jesus getting closer, and it is getting closer, we should be filled with hope. Whether he comes in our lifetime or comes years later, it doesn't matter. Because every day we're getting closer to his return. Every single day we're getting closer to the return of Jesus. And because of that, we need to live like it. And because of that, we need to be filled to overflowing with hope. It's not just important to you and your mental sanity and you enjoying life. It's also important to God. God wants you to be overflowing with hope and joy in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So we who are approaching the soon coming second advent should be people of increasing hope as we see the day of his return approaching. We are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. So I want you to say it out loud. When we say it together, put it in the chat. If you can put it in the chat. Say, we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. Come on, say it out loud with me and put it in the chat. Say, we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. I'll even wait a moment for some of you typing. He says, I'm a slow typer. Yeah, go ahead. Put this in the chat. And I want you to say it out loud again. Say, we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. We are not. Yep, I'm waiting for you to type it too. Say, we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. You might say, well, Pastor, why are you having to say that? Why are you emphasizing pausing? Because as you're saying the right things, you're lining yourself up to what the Spirit of God is endeavoring to do in your heart. And as you're speaking these words of faith, these words of hope, you're giving them permission to do some things in your life. That's why it's important that you say the right things. Think about in Genesis chapter one, the Holy Ghost was hovering and moving over the waters, but nothing happened until God spoke. And what are we doing? We're speaking words based off of the word of God. We're speaking the word of God. And as you speak, you're letting the Holy Spirit work on you and work in your heart and work on your soul because you're agreeing with what he wants in your life. And so you need to start talking like the way God wants you to talk. You need to start talking in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Stop saying what you can't do. Stop saying how hard everything is. Stop saying why you're going to keep on losing. Stop talking about all the problems. We've made gods out of our giants instead of being conquerors of our giants. Stop talking about how bad things are and how many bad things you experience and how bad things are on the news and how the bad this political party did that and how bad this governor did this and this. Stop. Talk about what God's doing. 
So say it with me. Say, we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. And the wind of the Spirit is blowing through your life and blowing through your home right now. The Spirit of God is endeavoring to stir you up and stir up your hope and fill you with hope right now. Don't fight him. Yield to him. Don't grieve the precious Holy Ghost. You might think, well, that only happens when I'm in the same place. No, he's in your home right now. Wherever you are, he's with you right now. He's working on your heart right now. He's working on your soul right now. Why? How do you know that, Pastor? Because I know him and I know what he wants to do in your life right now. I know what he's endeavoring to do. So don't resist him. Don't fight him. Stop telling him no. Stop. Because some of you are like where you are right now. You're shaking your head. You're crying. It's like, no, it's been too much. And he's like, well, how does he know? The spirit of God is working on you right now. So do not resist him flow. You say, well, I don't understand how it's going to happen. He didn't ask you to understand. He just asked you to agree. Allow him to work on your heart. How about this? Here's a novel idea. Let him be God. Instead of you trying to be the God of your life and you trying to figure it out, let God be God. Let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost wants to do. And he wants to stir you up right now. He wants to fill you with hope. He's going to give you insight so you can make that tweak here and tweak there as you go back and look again and look at the way you've been living. As the prophet Haggai says, you consider your ways. He'll make some tweaks. He'll make some adjustments so that you can receive the victory God has for you and experience the rest God has for you. God sees you. He knows exactly what you've been through. He knows how bad you need this rest. But you're not going to experience the best of the rest. Unless you become a prisoner of hope. Unless you discover that thrill of hope. Unless you yield to the hope God wants you to be filled with. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. A familiar scripture to a number of us. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Of course faith is belief, firm conviction, confidence and assurance. And as we said, hope is positive expectation and substance. This word substance means foundation or essence. This word substance means foundation or essence. The word evidence means proof. The word evidence means proof. So now faith, belief, firm conviction, confidence, assurance is the essence and the foundation of things that are hopeful. It is the proof of things not seen. And so as I shared this with you before, when we talk about dreams and future goals and aspirations and things we want to do in our life, things that have been stirred up in us, the call that's in us, the things God has called us to, we begin to dream in line with the dreams God has for us. That's what we would consider in the biblical realm of hope. Hope is the blueprint that faith is supposed to carry out. Hope is the blueprint that faith is supposed to carry out. Some people's faith don't, doesn't work right because they don't have a blueprint. Faith is materials. Hope is a blueprint. You can have a whole bunch of materials, but those materials are useless unless you have a blueprint and know what you're building. It takes faith and hope. That's why the Spirit of God is stirring you up to hope again. I remember times, you know, I shared with this during the empty chair, we talked about grief a number of years ago that because of my grieving process, what I was going through, that 
the Holy Spirit told me one time during lunch, he said, you stop dreaming. I need you to go to this place. Go there on your birthday because I need you to dream again. What was the Spirit of God doing so graciously and kind to me? He was stirring me up. He needed me to dream again. Why? It was going to position me to do what he called me to do and move forward. I would have stagnated. I would have stopped. I wouldn't have progressed far with God if I had stopped dreaming. God wants you to be a person full of hope so that he can bring to pass what he wants to bring to pass in the earth. You'll never find more fulfillment than if you're in the plan of God. The safest place and the best place to be is smack dab in the middle of the will of God for your life. And you're only going to do that and stay in step with the Holy Ghost if you're a person full of hope. So say it with me. Say the wind of the spirit is blowing through my life and blowing through my house. Say it with me. Say the wind of the spirit is blowing through my life and it's blowing through my house. Praise God. We are not the hopeless. You see, you can have hope in many different areas. You can have hopes that are connected to your health, hopes that are connected to your family, your relationships, your children, your grandchildren, hope that's connected to your finances, hope that's connected to your career and business and your calling. All those are valid areas of hope and they're wonderful areas of hope and things you should hope in and things you should have attached to hope. However, with all those wonderful things that are areas of hope, we need to make sure our hope is based on Jesus so that your hope for your relationship is on the foundation of Jesus. Your hope for your kids is on the foundation of Jesus. Your hope for your finances and your health is on the foundation of Jesus. Your hope for your business and your career and your livelihood is on the foundation of Jesus. So that means you're going to build it according to his word. You're going to build it toward, according to the leading of the spirit of God. You're going to build it correctly and I can violate the law of love. You're going to operate in the wisdom of God and you'll have great positive expectation for the future because your foundation is secure. And the foundation of your hopes and dreams has to be Jesus. You know, one of my daughters really likes Legos, building with Legos and blocks. And so we'll take time and build Legos and blocks together. And remember a year or two ago when she was really starting with certain blocks and building. And, you know, sometimes the tower she built will fall over. And I would share with her, you have to build a strong foundation. You have to build a wide enough foundation. Because if you don't, one day, at some point, it's going to topple over. And so many of our dreams have toppled over. And falling short because we haven't been building on the foundation of Jesus. You need to build your hope on the foundation of Jesus. What he says, his plan. Then you can have positive expectation for every area because you're building every area on Jesus. See, some of us will build some areas on Jesus and some areas like, ah, Jesus, don't talk to me about that. I'm going to do it myself. And you see why your life is toppling because you've been doing too much by yourself. Jesus said it very clearly in the Gospel of John. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't say it clearer than that. God has wonderful plans for your life to give you an end that you would hope for, an end that you would expect. That's what the prophet says. He says that in Jeremiah. God has wonderful things for you, but you need to build your hope on Jesus. As we said, hope is positive expectation. And we are not the hopeless. We are the hopeful. So say it with me again. Say, I am not the hopeless. I am the hopeful. We are those who overflow with hope. 
We are those who hope for and believe for the best. Hope is positive expectation. Despair is negative expectation. See, some of us stopped hoping and have adopted evil hope, which is despair. Instead of expecting something good, you expect bad. Some well, bad things coming through. Well, something bad happened to my neighbor. Something bad happened to someone else. So bad things gonna happen to me. I saw that news report is gonna hit my house. Oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do when that happens. You know, you're expecting things, but you're not expecting something good to happen to you. You're expecting. It's like you begin every day say something bad is gonna happen to me. I expect the horrible. You say, well, I wouldn't say that. Well, you kind of do, and that's what you expect. But if you can be a person of hope and a prisoner of hope, you got to change your declaration. You got to change your mindset. You really have to start saying and believing something good is going to happen to me today. I expect miracles. You have to become the hopeful, not the hopeless. You have to choose hope and not despair and dismay. It is your job to make sure you are in hope and not despair. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you do that. That's why he's moving through your life right now, moving through your home right now, helping you choose hope helping you to be free of despair. See, the wind of the Spirit has been blowing things out of your soul, blowing things out of your life, rearranging some things so that you can choose hope. He's working with you. He's a partner with you. He's not going to do it for you, but he'll do it in partnership with you. But you're going to have to make a decision to choose hope because you'll be tempted to be in despair. You'll be tempted to be dismayed. You'll be tempted to get under that cloud of depression again. It happens to all of us. All of us are tempted to be down and out. But even on our worst days, in the pit, we can choose to be hopeful. That even though we're in the pit, we're not even sure how we got there. We know God will bring us out. That you may be in a situation like Joseph, that you may be in the pit like Joseph was, or in the prison like Joseph was, but you know that you may be in the pit or the prison today, but that is not your end. You're going to the palace. That we know that's how Joseph ended. Yes, he spent some time in the pit. Yeah, he spent some time in prison, but he ended up in the palace. Why? You need to have that hope that although my situation may not be like I want it, this is not my end. This is not where I'm stopping. This is not where I'm ending. God has good plans for me. God has an end that I'll hope for. He is the God of hope. It's filled with all hope and joy and believing, and I will fulfill his call for my life. I will do what he tells me to do. I will see the things he promised me come to pass. He is the God of hope. He is the God of perseverance. He's the God of consolation. I choose to believe him. I choose to build my hope on Jesus, and I'm going forward. I'm not quitting now. See, if you're a person of hope, you're not going to quit. If you're a person overflowing with hope and a prison of hope, you're not going to quit. You're going to have positive expectation that wherever you go, you'll have victory. And after that victory, you'll experience the rest and refreshing and renewal God has for you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Spirit of God right now is helping you shift from despair to hope. You know who you are. He's helping you make that shift. Go ahead and just shift with him. Go ahead and shift with him. Some of you, just a slight shift. You know, how I remember back in the day when, you know, we had like satellite dishes on the roof and that if it was just shifted just a little bit, you could get the wrong channel. Or if a storm came by, it would mess it up and the channel would be fuzzy. But if it shifted just a little bit, if it shifted just a tad bit, it would get a better signal or a stronger signal. The Holy Spirit is trying to get you to shift from despair and shift to hope. Shift from, man, something bad's going to happen and bad things come in threes and shift to all things are possible. He's getting you to shift right now. So go ahead and move with them and shift. Go ahead and move with the wind of the Spirit of God and shift. Say with me, say the wind of the Spirit of God 
It's blowing through my life. It's blowing through my home. It's stirring up my hope. Come on, say the wind of the spirit of God. It's blowing through my life. It's blowing through my home. It's stirring up my hope. You see, the spirit of God is breathing on areas of your life. We covered this a few weeks ago. When we looked in the message, go and look again. He's breathing on areas of your life that you thought would never produce again. They're no longer able to produce. That's why we said it's time to go and look again at those wells that have been stopped up by the Philistines. It's time to redig the wells that he's told you to redig. And you're going to be surprised and in wonderful rejoicing as they begin to produce again. Things you thought would never produce again, they're going to produce because of the winds of the Spirit are moving upon them right now. So you need to go and look again as the Spirit of God's leading you to look at some things, to re-examine some things, to go back and check some things again, to re-examine some things. You're going to see things producing because of the wind of the Spirit of God that's blowing through your life and blowing through your home right now. He's shifting you from despair to hope. As we share, you need to listen, some of you need to listen to that message several times. Go and look again. It's on Faith Plus and on YouTube. Go and look again. We talk about how God is making room for you. That you thought, man, I'm in a tight spot. You're talking about the like, spot you've been in the last two years, maybe longer than it says it's been tight. You've been through a rock and a hard place. You've been through tribulation and trial. You just pressed. You know, it says through the scripture, he'll take you out of a tight spot and put you in a wide open place. Some of you have been feeling tight. You've been feeling squeezed. You've been feeling compressed. You've been feeling the pressure. God's going to take you out of that pressurized situation. He's going to grant you the victory and he's taking you to rest in a wide open space. That's what the wind of the spirit of God is trying to get you to shift to so that you don't focus on the rock and the hard place. You don't focus on the pressure, but you have clear eyes open ears to hear his strategy to see his plan so that you can move forward in victory and enjoy the rest and the refreshing God has we stop looking at the pressure stop giving in to the pressure stop saying woe is me no start saying how great is my God and how great is the victory he has given me stop saying how great is my problem say how great is my God and how great is the victory he has given me you need to shift from despair and shift to hope now as the scripture says we need to put our faith and our hope in God we have to be believers filled with positive expectation. Those who overflow with hope, those who are prisoners of hope. Why? We're getting closer to the return of Jesus. And as we get closer to the return of Jesus, we need to increase in hope, not become hopeless, not become filled with despair, but be people full of hope because our hope is based on and founded upon Jesus the Christ the risen son of God, who's been glorified with all the glory that there is. And he lives on the inside of us. So we must be people overflowing with hope. Those who are prisoners of hope, those who choose to expect something good is going to happen. Those who choose to expect miracles, those who believe that all things are possible, that those who believe that we're entering the season of renewal, refreshing and rest, and that we're going to accomplish everything God has for us. Praise God. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Let's begin to bring this to a close. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Notice what it says here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now we're talking about the appearing. This is the second advent. 
And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. We'll look at this a little bit later in the series, but notice once again what John, the apostle of love, calls the second advent, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls it hope. And it's all those who have that hope built up in them, who have that hope in them, they purify themselves even as Jesus pure. That hope will change the way you live. Having this hope built up within us will change the way we live. So go back and look again at the way you're living. Consider your ways and begin to increase and build up and overflow in hope. You see, when you have hope, you're on the lookout for something. When you have hope or positive expectation, you're on the lookout for something. Has anybody ever scheduled a contract or scheduled some type of delivery and they give you a time window that says, will be delivered or the person will be at your house between eight and 12. You don't know the exact time, but you know that somewhere between eight and 12, that contractor will, be, will arrive or that delivery you expect will be there. So what do you do through eight through 12? You may do a lot of things, but in the midst of everything, you're on the lookout. On the midst of everything, you're listening for a doorbell. On the list of everything, you're looking for somebody to come by because you have an expectation that they will arrive. You're on the lookout. If you're gonna be a person of hope, you have to be on the lookout. Look out for the goodness of God. On the lookout for his promises. Are you doing everything you have to do in the natural? Just like you would if you expected somebody to come by the house. As you're doing all the natural stuff, be on the lookout for miracles. Be on the lookout for the goodness of God. Be on the lookout for the manifestation of God. Be on the lookout for the victory that God has for you. Be on the lookout for the winds of the Spirit of God moving through your life. It's important because where you look has a habit of determining what you will receive. Where you look is connected to what you will receive. Go with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. This takes place eight days after the birth of Jesus. And so when we think about the nativity scene and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels, you know, eight days later, this is what happens. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation. There's that word again, that refreshing, that comfort of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when this parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him as after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto his Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophet of the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow about fourscore and four years. 
which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise or in the same way unto the Lord and spake of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Notice the key things between these two great people of God. This man of God was looking. He was in expectation of the consolation, the comfort, the refreshing of Israel. And as he was looking, as he was living for God and looking for the first advent, the Holy Spirit revealed to him, said, you will see it. You won't miss out on it. And he saw it. And at that same moment, the prophetess comes in, this woman of God comes in. And she's been looking too, and she recognizes it, and she begins to give thanks in the same manner. And then she turns and begins to tell people in Jerusalem who are looking for it as well. Remember, notice, she didn't talk to everybody. There's a lot of people in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people coming to the temple. But she only talked to those who were looking for the refreshing, those who were looking for the comfort, those who were looking for the consolation, those who were looking for the advent of Messiah. She only talked to those who were looking. What are you looking for? See, that hope will help you live pure. But if you're looking for his return and is expecting his return, as we'll share later in the series, there's some wonderful things that will happen for you. Because if you don't look, there's some, some things you'll miss out on that you don't have to mess out on. See, looking forward to his return doesn't mean you hide in a closet and you, this is not the time to store up on you know, doomsday food and doomsday preppers and worried about all the you know, fear-mongering and things that you know, people teach about the end times that are not quite true. You say, well, why do people teach like that? Well, they just missed it. Think about it this way. When you study out the Gospels, what people expected the first advent of Jesus to be like, how some of them were right and some of them were wrong, and some of them were right and wrong in the same breath. And then it's the same way at the second advent. There's some things people don't understand. Well-meaning, they just may miss it. But I want to tell you, this is not the time to be in fear. This is not the time to run and hide and never come out your prayer closet. No. This is the time to be filled and overflowing with hope and increasing in hope as we see the second advent of Jesus getting closer. This is what time it is. You have to press into God's rest. You need to be actively looking for renewal, for refreshing, and the rest that God has for you. You need to continually put yourself in position to receive refreshing from the Lord, from the scriptures, from praying in the spirit, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that is the refreshing and being a part of the experience. There's some wonderful things God promised me that's going to happen during this experience right now, but also in the experiences for the rest of the year. And you don't want to miss it. You want to press. You want to press to whether you're coming to Austell, Marietta, Fayetteville, Duluth, online. You don't want to miss it. Well, I'm kind of tired. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss what God has for you. You don't want to miss the encounter with the wind of the Spirit of God. You don't want to miss the refreshing God has for you. This is the time to press your way. There's going to be a million different reasons why you, sh you won't be able to make it. A million different reasons why you're tired or you're busy. All this type of stuff. Don't miss one. And watch what God will do for you as you press in to his rest. Don't miss what he has for you. Stay on the lookout because as Romans 5 says, this hope will not lead you to shame or disappointment because the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit who's been given unto you. As I previously shared in Are You Arguing With Your GPS a few weeks ago, we are in now and we're walking further into times of refreshing, renewal, and rest. 
It is important that you continue to wage the battles that God has called you to, to address the things he's been prompting you to, to fight the good fight of faith and overcome the challenges that have confronted you this year. This is a time of winning and unprecedented victory. However, the victory is now and you need to fight the good fight of faith, but the rest on the other side is better. So press in to God's rest. Go ahead, put in that chat, say press in to God's rest. Say it out loud and put in the chat, say press in to God's rest. Press in to God's rest. You know, we shared this during that message. I encourage you to listen to it again because we gave a little bit more detail. What are we going to do during this time of rest? We looked at two different times of rest in the scriptures. And this is number one, build and be edified. Number two, strengthen our defenses. Number three, prosper, multiply and increase. Number four, live in reverential respect and awe of God. And number five, move in and move with the Holy Ghost. Those are things we do in these times of rest that's going to produce wonderful results in your life. Because rest does not mean when I talk about cease from activity. No, you can produce in a higher level, but in a better state than you ever thought possible. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. The scripture we looked at, one of these times of rest. It says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear or the reverence or awe of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were, mercy, were multiplied. This word for comfort is the same we saw for consolation at the beginning of this message. They were experiencing the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. These churches were experiencing the rest of God and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. That same refreshing is blowing through your life right now. It's blowing through your house right now. Don't resist what the Holy Spirit is doing. Just go with him. Flow with them, receive his refreshing, and become a person of hope, a person who's overflowing with hope, a prisoner of hope, a person who abounds in hope because their hope is based on Jesus. This refreshing, this wind of the Spirit is blowing through our lives and blowing through our church and all of our campuses. You're going to be refreshed. You're going to be renewed. You're going to experience rest. You're going to, we talked about a couple of weeks, you're going to catch your breath again. Now, some people call a second win. Maybe you need a third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one, seventh one, whatever it is, you're about to get it. You're going to be refreshed. You're going to experience what God has for you. Just imagine if you're running a marathon and you would think after you cross the finish line, you'd be tired. But imagine someone who crossed the finish line was about to, you know, double over, but all of a sudden they caught their breath again. And they ran another marathon. People are like, how are they still running? The fact that they finished one is something else. But how are they running again? And running mile after mile after mile, it becomes a sign and a wonder. And people just stare because it doesn't make sense. See, some people counted you out a long time ago. You counted yourself out, maybe. It's like, There's never, I can't run again. I can't go forward again. But no, by the wind of the Spirit, you're going to catch your breath again. You're going to be like the psalmist. You're going to run through a troop. You're going to leap over a wall. You're going to do the impossible because God has the miraculous awaiting for you in 2022. But it's time for you to be refreshed, to catch your second breath, to be refreshed again so that you can go forward and do what God has for you. Praise God. Praise God. So in the meantime, in addition to everything I said, Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in the pressure, and be continually devoted and instant in prayer.
So rejoice in hope. You have a reason to rejoice. With everything I share what God is doing for you today, you have a reason to rejoice. You have a reason to praise God. Be patient and persevere in the pressure because you know the pressure is not going to take you out. You're going to press through the pressure and get the victory and receive the rest God has for you. And stay devoted to prayer, consistent in prayer. Although our 21 days of prayer and fasting is over, it doesn't mean you shouldn't keep pressing in prayer. There are wonderful things on the other side. One of the things we're running into, this one of the Spirit, is connected to the way we've been pressing in prayer during those 21 days of prayer and fasting. Keep going forward. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in the pressure. And be devoted to prayer. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you. Oh, I thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for the winds of the Spirit, the wind of the Holy Ghost that's been blowing through our life during this message, it's blowing through our house. We thank you for that manifestation of the glory of God, for the change it's bringing, the refreshing it's bringing, the renewal it's bringing, the rest it's granting. We receive the move of the Holy Ghost. Help us not to resist him or grieve him, but help us to cooperate with him so we can walk in your best and walk into your rest and press in to your rest. Now, Father, help us not just to be hearers of this word, but to be doers of this word so we can be blessed in our doing, as it says in the book of James. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for this. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. See, I receive the wind of the Spirit of God. See, I receive my refreshing. I receive my renewal. I receive my rest. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. Thank you.